Praise indeed. Friends, please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119, verse 97. If you're using one of the Bibles in the seat in front of you, it's on either page 438 or 498. Psalm 119. Today we begin a series that we do at the beginning of every calendar year uh, where we go through the philosophy of ministry of Redeemer Church. Uh, in your bulletins, you may have seen it. Let's see. I don't know. That's actually not in the bulletin anymore. Ah, well, you used, probably used to see that box that talked about the, the philosophy of ministry, the worship word, witness in reach, witness outreach, uh, the, what we call the, the four W's of, of our church. Uh, and what we'll be doing over the next three weeks this week and the next, following two weeks is we'll be going through those, those W's, showing from Scripture why it is that we do what we do. Uh, and today, it's my uh, responsibility to cover the Word ministry, which is the teaching ministry of Redeemer Church. So we'll be focusing on the Word, why we do the Word. And as we do, we'll be looking at how we ought to love God's Word and how that is integral to everything that we do here at Redeemer Church. But now, uh, turn with me to Psalm 119. I'm going to be looking at verse 97 and then jumping ahead to verse 161. So hear now the Word of God. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And now turn with me to verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. That sends the reading of God's Word. And what do we know about God's Word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands together. Oh Lord, this is Your Word. Would You draw us to it? Would You give us understanding? Would You ignite our hearts before it? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We are now about a week into our new calendar year. So have you made your New Year's resolutions? Or more to the point, has it been long enough that you've already given up on them? Or you said, I'm not going to do them. I don't know about you, but uh, it seems to me like the whole concept of New Year's resolutions has kind of gone by the wayside, not really that important to anybody anymore. I remember it used to be growing up, you know, every, every New Year would be, there would be this buzz of, oh, what are your resolutions? Oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But now it's, kinda, it's more of a murmur, like people don't even really talk about it, or it's more of a punchline to a joke. But, but why would that be? I mean, it, there's nothing wrong. It's, it's a good thing to try to uh, live more healthy lives, eat better, exercise more regularly. It's good to get your finances under control, get yourself out of debt. Uh, it's, you know, it's better to be more organized. Now, why, why, would we, uh, why would we kind of abandon that, that pursuit? And why do we have to do it year after year? I think the reason is because often what we try to do is we try to uh, fix things in our lives by dealing with the actions on, on the surface without re really dealing with what's going on in our hearts. 
So for example, we can make a good exercise plan where we're going to get up early and we're going to run three, five, you know, seven times a week or whatever. But you know, when it's cold and it's been about a, a month and you know, it's not really that exciting anymore, well, you know, I, I'd really rather sleep in. I've got a better use of that hour of my day. Um, or, or you know, you're trying to get your finances in, under control, and that's a good thing, and so you come up with a budget. But you know, after some time, it doesn't take long to realize that paying off debt's not nearly as fun as you know, going out to eat all the time or buying the things that you want to you buy. And so we, don't, we never really deal with those things that are in our heart, the, the materialism, the, the, the laziness, the gluttony, uh, the, the idolatry. And so nothing really changes. And so we, we, we give up and we repeat, repeat the following year. And uh, when it comes to resolutions, one thing that Christians often do is they say, well, I'm, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to read my Bible a lot more. I'm going to uh, put together a plan. I'm, this is going to be the year that I read all the way through Scripture. And yet, year after year, we're, we're kind of making that same resolution. And the reason, I think, friends, is because I think we suffer from that same, it some, suffers from the same problem with all those other resolutions. We're, we're trying to change the actions without really having to deal with the heart. I mean, we can come up with a plan, we're, we're going to read through, I'm going to read a chapter a day, or you know, a couple chapters, and I'm going to get through Scripture. And, you, and you're feeling good going through Genesis, and you get through Exodus, and then all of a sudden you get to the end of Exodus, and all of a sudden, we're starting to talk about the tabernacle, and that's kind of hard slogging. And then maybe we make it through that, and then we end up in Leviticus, and that gets even harder. And then, then we've got numbers after that. And if, if our hearts aren't really in it, uh, we find a, a, it's, it's a lot easier to just kind of give up and say, well, maybe I'll try again next year because this isn't, uh, this isn't really working for me. And friends, I don't think the problem has to do with our reading plan, and I, I, I'm certain that it has nothing to do with the Word of God itself. I think the problem is with us. It's a, it's a relational problem. We, we try to honor God with our schedules or with our reading, but our hearts are often far from Him. We're not reading it because we're desiring to enter into relationship with this God, to know Him better. We're, we're doing it because, well, it's the right thing to do. I, I know I'm supposed to do it. I mean, the pastor says, I mean, my friends at church say it, and it's kind of like eating green beans or eating Brussels sprouts. I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to try to do it, but my heart's not really in it. And so we, we, we don't approach God's Word, and, be, and we can't stick with it because we don't, we don't love God's Word. But we don't love God's Word because we have a coldness and lack of affection towards, towards our Heavenly Father. Um, and, and so we can't maintain that consistency. But friends, when we come to this passage, in Psalm 119, we see something that's a, a much better way. We see the psalmist saying, Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. Friends, we, could, we can get beyond just tolerating the Word of God to the point where we, we love God's Word, where we, where we pant for it, where our cry is to meditate it on it all day long. And we can, we can love it as we pursue our God to, in love for Him. And we can, we can love Him because He first loved us and pursued after us with His Word. And so what we'll have to see is that as, as we know that God has revealed Himself to us in His Word. Our response to Him for His love to us is that we ought to love and delight in His Word. 
Um, our passage today comes from Psalm 119, and just a, a few brief facts, which you probably know, but just as a refresher, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. In fact, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 uh, verses, uh, and it's uh, an acrostic poem, uh, which you probably know, which means that it's got these 22 sections where each section, every uh, verse begins with the same Hebrew letter. And if you look in your Bibles, uh, it probably has these section headers, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet. Those are the Hebrew letters that begin every verse in that passage. So it's, it's this acrostic poem. Um, and as you probably know, there's, there's this central theme throughout of the Word of God. Uh, there's, uh, you know, in nearly every of the 176 verses has some form of the Word of God, whether it's word or promises or law, testimonies, precepts, promises, it's all throughout. It's this common theme. But it's, it's a little bit more than just an, a poem. This is a, this is a prayer. This is a, a very lengthy prayer uh, where uh, over and over the psalmist is talking back to God about His Word. Uh, even from the, the very beginning, uh, if you look back in... Uh, Verse 3, he's, uh, I'm sorry, verse 4, he's, he's saying, You have commanded your precepts, oh, that my ways might be steadfast in keeping your statutes. And my eyes should be fixed on your commandments. I will praise you. Uh, the psalmist is in dialogue. He's praying to his God. This is a relational thing. In fact, there's over 250 times where you or your is in this, in this uh, chapter. And uh, while there's no absolute structure in these 176 verses, it kind of has a two-part structure. The first half of the psalmist seems to be desperate. Uh, uh, you can see this uh, where he's, he's asking for that the Lord might be faithful to his promises, that the Lord might teach him, instruct him, bring him along. Um, he's saying, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. My soul clings to the dust Give me life. Teach me, O Lord. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. He's, he's repeating, he's pleading with the Lord. Show me your word. Guard me with your word. Teach me. And that kind of continues up into our verse, uh, verse 97, which is uh, where we start. And at that point, it hinges, it kind of goes from being desperate to delighting. And he, and he exclaims, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. He's moved from, he's moved from desperate, a desperate pleading to contentment and delight. And he says, I, I meditate on it all the day. Now, um, it, it's, it's unclear you know, why he, uh, which comes first. Does he, does he love the law because he meditates on it? Or does he, does he meditate on it because he's already got this love for it? Uh, the text doesn't really tell us. Uh, but, but both are really plausible, aren't they? Um, it's, it's kind of like this. The first time that you meet uh, that person that uh, you think might be a good match for you, uh, uh, that you might want to spend the rest of your life with, or that you're uh, enamored with, uh, you, you, know, you go on that date, you come back, and your friend says, well, well how, 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 was it, how was the date? Oh, it went great. Uh, in fact, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to set aside you know, 10 to 15 minutes every morning to think about this person. And uh, no, you don't do that at all. You don't do that at all. You, you're, you're overtaken. You, your mind is racing. You're, you're thinking about 
every bit of that, 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 that date, every bit of every conversation that you had, you're thinking about your past and, and visualizing all those things, playing it back over in your mind. You're thinking about the future, what, what could happen with our, our relationship going forward. And you're meditating on this person, on this relationship. I can't wait to be back in the presence of this person, to be able to look them in the eye, to see their face, to enjoy their smile. There's, there's this relational aspect where you're, you're delighting, you're meditating. It's, it's all the time. It's all the day. And that's, I think, what the psalmist has in mind here. He's saying, he's saying oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. I, ca- I can't get enough of it. I can't stop thinking about it. You know, and I would ask you, is that, is that your experience? Do you love the Word of God so much that it's, it's all-consuming, that you're, you're, you're meditating, you're thinking about it all the day? Are you, are you captivated by its beauty and the majesty of His, of his promises? Are you overwhelmed by the purity of His law and the righteousness of it and how it's... Uh, protecting? Are you overwhelmed by His stories of grace for you? And His, his precious and gracious promises and, and how He shows you how to live in a way that's not just beneficial to you, but glorifying to Him? Is that, is that your experience? And if so, then praise God. Praise God. And, and that is a rare gift. And I would encourage you, share that gift with your brothers and sisters. Uh, Invite us to the table of the delicacies of God's Word. You know, show us the, show us the beauty. Overwhelm us. Um, maybe, maybe you feel it in kind of a, a spark, but it's still, it's still a struggle. Like you, you, you see some beauty, but it's, it's, you're, you're wrestling you know, to, to do it. And I would say, as a brother, fan that into flame. You know, fan that spark into flame. Pursue opportunities uh, individually or corporately to, to grow in your love for God's Word and in and, and the knowledge. And that's what our Word ministry is all about, is providing opportunities for us to come together to be instructed, to discuss, to grow up together as a body of believers. But maybe that's not your experience at all. Maybe you have a coldness to this book. This is just a another book, or even worse than that, you have a, a disdain uh, or a hatred and animosity towards this word. You, you know enough to know that you, you don't want to have anything to do with it. And to you, I would, I would gently plead with you, uh, in, in all grace, please uh, consider the source, unclench your fists, and be, be willing to approach this word. Consider what this word is and, and from whom it comes. This is the God who made you. The God who knows you perfectly. The God who no- orders your steps. This is literally the God who, who is the hand that feeds you and provides all of your needs. The, this is the God that par- guards and protects your very life. And this is the God that says that He will judge with holiness and righteousness all people. And, and His Word graciously informs us and says that on your own, you will never stand in His judgment apart from His grace. But the same Word says that He is gracious to you 
And if you would only trust in Him and believe in the Gospel that He has proclaimed to you, then He will graciously be your salvation so that you can stand in that judgment. And so I would encourage you, allow the, this, this Word to warm the coldness of your heart and be caught aflame by the love of God and pursue Him through His Word. So, this, the psalmist says, I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. This, this love seems to, to fuel his meditation and it is fueled by this meditation, uh, this ongoing meditation. And, you know, when I approach, approach that and I think, okay, so this is written by a, a, a lover of God's Word who has meditated day and night on God's Word. I would love to know what, what is it that he finds so beautiful, so attractive in God's Word. Uh, that would be a wonderful to, to see. And I think that this whole psalm, Psalm 119, is a reflection of that. But I think we see that in acute focus in our passage in 161 to 168. So turn with me there and, and let's dig through this. Uh, this section is uh, uh, one of those sections that begins with a Hebrew letter. And it's eight verses long. Uh, and and he, um, each of them are eight individual reflections. But where he starts is kind of surprising to me. He says, uh, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. Okay, so let me take a quick side road. We're going to talk about Hebrew poetry for just a second. Okay, so Hebrew poetry, like what we find in the Psalms, has a certain structure often where you see these two statements. Like you see it here. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. These are called kola. Two, two kola together. Uh, in, in, and the way that these work together, there's some common ways. Uh, one of them, you've probably seen this over and over, where uh, they say the same thing. There's A, and then he says it again with different words, where it's kind of bringing additional meaning to that, that, that statement. Uh, a second way that's very common is what's called A, what's more B. So he says one thing, but then he expands on it a little bit more, where it's similar, but he's adding on to it. So for instance, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. He's added on to that original statement. The third way is um, kind of a contrasting statement where he says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. It's, it's the flip side of things. Okay? So sometimes the two statements, don't they relate, but it's not always obvious. So I think that's what we have here in verse 161 where he says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. And I th- think if that seems a little confusing to me to you as it did to me I think it's because uh, the way the words are translated that phrase uh, my heart stands in awe of your words um, it's a it's in Hebrew it's it's a word that really means to dread or to be in dread um, and the the Jewish scholars that translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek translated with a word that really means to be cowardly or timid so what he's saying is, my heart is, is cowardly, it's timid, it's in dread because of your words. So what I think he's saying is, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart trembles, is what the NIV says, it trembles before your word. Now, why would he possibly say that? He, he, he's he's got to envision these, these earthly princes that have authority over him that can that can do some physical harm to him, and yet he's not fearful of them. He's fearful of God's Word. 
And when we talk about the fear of the Lord, uh, that's a complicated and a complex topic, but there's, there's two aspects to it. There's, a, there's a, a view of fear as in reverence, like I have a reverent awe of God, which is what the ESV translates this. And then there's afraid fear. And I think what's, on, what's going on in this passage is, is the, past, the, the psalmist is teetering between the, to the two verses, and there's a very fine line, but I think he's leaning towards being afraid. Why could he possibly be afraid? I think he's afraid because this is God's Word, and there are some things that are terrifying in God's Word. God's Word declares us to be sinners in the sight of a holy God. Sinners who are without hope on our own, that justly deserve His wrath. And Scripture declares our God to be holy, that He will not let the guilty go unpunished. Scripture declares He is a consuming fire, that we must stand before Him and worship Him in reverence and awe because His Word will not be broken. And so I think the, the, the psalmist has seen that and he's, he's, he's terrified. And you think of what Jesus said where He said, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but fear Him who can kill both body and send your soul to hell. I think that's what He has in mind. Plus there's other verses in Scripture that are just terrifying for us who get so self-confident. We think of the passage in Matthew 7 where people say, Lord, you know, we've, we've done all these things for You. And He says, depart from Me. I never knew You. Or the, the passage in Matthew 25 with the sheep and the goats where there are people that said, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things for You. And He says, I never knew You. You've done these things. Depart into, to, to eternal punishment. This is God's Word. Do you tremble before it? Do you hold it up as holy? Our God is a consuming fire. But friends, cheer up, because our psalmist doesn't stop there. He moves from trembling to rejoicing, from fear to delight. In, ver in verse 162, he says, I rejoice or I exult at your word like one who finds great spoil. Now this is the spoil of battle. And it can feel like that when we approach God's Word from time to time. We can, we can struggle with doctrines or, or passages that are difficult, and we can gain understanding. And it's like rejoicing, like, praise God, now I see things in a completely new way. Uh, there's, there's a rejoicing with that. But that may not even be what he's got in mind, because it's, it's, he's finding great spoil. He's not earning or obtaining this great spoil by his own, his own power. He's, he's finding this spoil. He may be hinting at the fact that our, the, all the beautiful promises in God's Word that we have are because of the conquest of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, these things are gifts left for us by, a, by, by His train. The train of His victory. And we get to collect those. And we get to rejoice over those as, those are, as though those are ours. And, but they've been won for us by our great victor, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we rejoice at His Word like we find great spoil. He turns from that to say, I hate and I abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Um, our world is full of falsehood. Our hearts are full of duplicity and hypocrisy. And we know it. And yet we follow it. And because we, we get swayed by the lies. We, 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 we follow after these things. But when the psalmist comes, he, he says, I, I, I know I hate these things. And then when I come to your word, oh, I love your word. 
I love your word. He knows that it is true in the midst of, 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 of a world of, of lies. And it's like, um, it's like drinking a, a, a cold glass of pure, clean water when your throat is parched in the midst of a dry and weary land where it's, it's full of falsehood. Only in God's word do we approach and find that truth, that, ex, that explanation for everything that is our experience. And this love of his law translates into praise. In verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. He's, he, he's moved from meditation to now praise. It's not just he's meditating over this word that he loves, but he's praising God. And notice what he says. He's, he says, seven times I praise you for your righteous rules. The psalmist recognizes something. He, he recognizes that this is God's Word. This isn't just some abstract set of rules. This isn't just some you know, nice rules to live by. This is, this is the loving Word of our loving God condescending to us and expressing Himself to us. His praise is forever on His lips. And friends, I think, I think this is where we stumble very often. I think we forget that when we approach, approach this Word, that this is the Almighty Heavenly God communicating Himself to us. And we, we, we want to make this about, okay, well, what do I need to do in order to live a, a faithful life? You know, or what do I need to do in order to prosper? Well, maybe I should read Proverbs and I could figure out you know, what are the rules to live by? Or um, you know, how do I keep myself from sinning and we miss the, the source by trying to focus on maybe the stories or maybe the, the rules. And we're, we're missing the relationship. And these are not just pure doctrinal statements. These are not just rules to live by. This is relational. This is from a person. This is, this is something that we must learn from Him and we must converse with Him and we must praise Him for His Word. It's it's. For God's glory, it's for our relationship with Him. And once we reach that point of praise, then, and only then, does the righteous life and, and our actions flow from that. And that's actually where the second half of this section goes. He goes from, from delight to action. And starting in verse 165, he says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. They have peace because nothing can make them stumble. Stumbling implies they're doing something, they're living, they're walking in a certain life. Even those princes, those princes, those rulers may be trying to persecute me. I've not, not done anything wrong. They're persecuting me. It doesn't matter. I have peace with God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can, can take away my salvation. It's mine forever and ever. So great peace have I, and I can walk in faith. And he moves from there to say, I, I hope for or I wait for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. Make no mistake, if your hope is in Christ, the Christ of the Gospel, you have salvation now. But as we've mentioned many times, we're still waiting for. We're still hoping for that eternal salvation. We still struggle now. And so that's what he's got in mind. He's saying, I'm hoping for your salvation. But while he does, I do your 
commandments. I walk in faith while I hope, while I wait. And he moves from there and he says, my soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. The Hebrew is very clear. He's saying, it's, I, I love your law. I'm doing these because they're a reflection of who you are. And my, my love for you has overwhelmed into praise. And my praise is overwhelmed back to your law. I love them. I love them exceedingly. I can't help but do them. I'm doing them because I love you, Father. Because these are, this is your law. This is your word. It's not just some action out of obedience, out of raw obedience. It's obedience out of love because we've been loved by Him first. And then finally, He says, I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you. The one who has meditated on God's Word sees, knows, understands that all of our ways are before Him. That He knows our beginning and our end. He has set us where, where He has for His glory, for our benefit. And He knows all of our ways. He knows our hearts better than we do. And all of our ways are before Him. And so, He says, I keep your precepts and your testimonies. Lord, You are wiser than I. He is a a loving, wise, and good God who has given given us loving, wise, and good commandments and precepts. And so it is good and wise for us to obey those. And that is what He has before us. So He moves... He moves from uh, his meditations uh, cause him to reflect on God's Word. That he, that he moves from trembling to delight to praise. And that praise to obedience. He's got the guardrails of, of a, healthy obedient, a healthy fear of God conditioned by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, which causes a transformation of his heart, which results in a transformation of his actions. So is that you? Is, is that a reflection of your heart and your life? Do you have a love for God's Word? Do you, do you tremble at His Word? Do you exult with joy like you're finding spoil after spoil in His Word? Do you have peace because of the truth of, of, of the Gospel? Do you praise God for His Word? And does that result in joyful obedience? If that's you, praise God. Like I said before, praise God and and use that to encourage your brothers and sisters in that walk. And and, and let's encourage one another and build one another up in that. But probably most of us would say we're not quite there yet. I want to be there, but I'm not quite there yet. So I would offer you these suggestions, these small steps from how to get from here to there. I would say start small, but be disciplined. Maybe we don't start with, I meditate all the day long, while we'd love to meditate all the the day long. Maybe let's start with meditate every day. Maybe not all the day, but every day. Uh, Pick a routine and stick with it. Something like, I'm going to read, I am going to read one chapter a day. Um, I'm going to pick a time that works. Maybe it's in the mirror with your morning coffee. Maybe it's after dinner with your kids. Maybe it's at night with your spouse before you start binge-watching your television shows. You pick some time and you stick with it. And some of you might be saying, well, you know, but I'm not really a routine person. I say I love and gentleness as a brother. Fooey on that. <laughs> Will it be hard? Yeah, it'll be hard. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? Maybe you've got a habit, but it's still difficult. Uh, you're, you're still struggling to make sense of, of the word. And 
I would suggest maybe pursue avenues to try to make the Bible seem smaller. What I mean is try to understand kind of the big themes. Understand the story of the Bible from beginning to end. Try to understand how the Bible's organized. Try to understand something, a little bit of something about each book of the Bible. Like Pastor McGee talks about his one-word summaries. Try to, try to learn something so that you know, okay, well, I'm going to read Philippians. This is about joy. I know that. Or I'm, I'm really struggling with this. You know, what, what's in Genesis? What's in Exodus? You know, try to understand the story of the Bible. Make it, make it smaller, not, not seem so intimidating or big of a, a book. Another suggestion is, like the psalmist, converse with God. This is His, his word. Pray, pray His word back to Him. Talk to Him about it. Praise Him for it. You know, read something and, and pray it back. Dialogue with Him. Ask Him to give you understanding. This is His Word that was given by the inspiration of His Holy Spirit. That same Spirit dwells within you and can give you understanding. So ask Him to give you that understanding and that wisdom. Uh, don't overlook the importance of studying in community. We can become myopic, short-sighted in our own study of Scripture. We need the Lord has put us together as a body of believers intentionally that we might grow together and, and, uh, and be taught by each other. Um, pray, you know, look, look for opportunities like small groups and, and Sunday school and pursue after those. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your leaders that they might make it clear to you and understandable to you. And approach God's Word in different ways, different avenues. And that's, that's exactly what we try to do in the, the Word ministry at Redeemer Church. We've got the Sunday program and we've got the Wednesday program or small group program. And when, when we approach it, we've got the, the need for instruction and we need the need for uh, discussion. We need uh, lecture and we need in, to dialogue. Um, it's, it's like we need to be fed at times and we need to digest at times. Both are important. Sunday mornings, you know, we're... we're we're, we're focused on lecture and instruction. And we, even there, we, we, in the falls, we, fall quarters, what we try to do is systematic theology where we take one aspect of Scripture, like uh, the doctrine of who God is. We look all through Scripture and say, what does Scripture say uh, about who God is? And then in the spring, what we do is we look at a portion of Scripture, say the poetry books like Psalms. And we're going to focus in on what does that section of Scripture teach us. So we look at two different angles. And then in the winter quarter, we do all sorts of different things. And recently, we've been blessed with historical theology, looking at what Jonathan Edwards or Martin Luther have taught us and how they've preserved the faith for us. And, and in, the, in the summertime, we, look at, and we, we try to look at how we approach our culture. We've looked at things like you know, the election or tolerance or busyness, ways of taking God's Word and applying it. So that's what we try to do on Sunday. And then on Wednesdays, like at the well or small groups, we try to take those things that we've learned and we try to digest them and, and have more discussion and application. Um, we do that in the youth as well. And, and we need to have both because we need to be balanced and, and there needs to be discussion and instruction. So that's, that's what we try to do. And I encourage you to take advantage of those things um, for your benefit. Seek to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, as Paul says to the Colossians. That, that we would read it, we would meditate on it, we would pray it, we would, we would sing it, we would apply it, we would talk about it, we would encourage one another, we would, we would live it, and we would love it with a holy desire. Because this is God's Word. This is, this is how we grow. By God's Word, understanding God's Word. 
This is how we know who God is. This is how we know of His gracious love for us. This is how we know His promises for us. This is how we, He tells us about Himself and how He wants to be loved and how much He loves us. We need to love it. You know, it's remarkable when we look at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how, how much the Word was a part of His mission. He had, hands down, the most important mission for any person ever. He literally had the fate of the entire human race hanging in the balance by His life. He had the highest priorities of anyone ever. He could have been exceedingly busy with anything. And yet, what marked His life? What marked His life was a daily devotion to God's Word, to reading and meditating and praying for God's Word. Even from a, as a child, he went to the temple and he was dialoguing with the teachers of the law. When he was tempted, he responded to Satan with the, words of, the, the Word of God on his lips. He knew that his mission was conditioned by the prophecies that were prophesied about him. It was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. And he knew that it was necessary for him to be crucified and to be raised to new life. It fueled his life. It fueled his, his mission. It fueled everything about him. And we can say that it's because of his love and his obedience and his faithfulness to God's Word, it's for that reason and that reason alone that we are saved. It's not by our ability to read this. It's by Christ's ability to have already loved it. Even though he was the Word of God, he devoted himself to the Word of God. This was his psalm. He was the only person that could ever say, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. But friends, we, because of what Christ has done, we have the privilege of being able to experience that same love, to experience that same obedience, to that, that same devotion. We have His Word in our hands. We have His Spirit in our hearts. We have been given the mind of Christ we are the body of Christ to be able to study together and to build one another up. And having received these gifts, let us use them. May our prayer be, oh, how we love Your Word, Father. May we meditate it and live it all the day long. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, this is Your Word. Help us to love it. We do love You. We know this is from Your hand. Help us to delight in it. Use each one of us, Father, for your gracious, the gracious privilege of being able to study your word, to, to, to grow in your word, to, to be enamored by who you are. Give us that awe and delight that has promised us if we do these things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends,